What's up everybody, this is Grant, that cause artist. Welcome to episode 115 of the Disruptors for Good podcast. Today we're going to speak with Brian Buckley, the co-founder of Hellman Valley Growers Company and Battle Brothers Foundation on fighting to bring medical cannabis to military veterans dealing with severe PTSD and are who are at significant risk of suicide. As a special operations team commander with the Marines, Brian led multiple teams in deployments in Africa, Southeast Asia, and Afghanistan. He was awarded the Bronze Star Medal and also awarded the Purple Heart Medal for the wounds he received during combat operations. After he and some friends got back from their service, they saw the severe issues facing their fellow soldiers and dealing with severe PTSD and suicides. And one of the co-founders, Andy, discovered cannabis and it really sort of changed his life, um, helped him sleep, helped him actually find purpose. And now he's dealing with sustainable agriculture and studying that and becoming a pioneer sort of in the industry around growing. So it's a really interesting story. And Brian kind of covers, you know, what the company does from its consumer brand, which then funds the nonprofit uh, that helps with these sort of medical cannabis side of things and getting legislator to really change the laws around the Department of, of Veteran Affairs being able to uh, prescribe medical cannabis when a, a veteran walks in instead of receiving opioids. And, and the big statistic uh, that jumped out to me was that when the U.S. military deploys to combat, roughly 60% of those deployed will be prescribed opioids upon return to the United States, and over half of them will develop a dependency or addiction to opioids. Um, so obviously, that that's a, a very severe a severe issue. It's caused many uh, of veterans uh, to lose their way, even increased during the pandemic. Uh, suicides have gone up. Uh, amongst veterans. It's a powerful topic and conversation, so uh, I really hope you enjoy it, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Usually, I like to start this by, by talking about people's journey, so so thanks so much, Brian, for, for joining me today, and I know your journey has been, you know, very long and, and interesting and, and coming from a lot of different places where, you know, most people don't come from, right, and, and get to do throughout their career, so let's kind of start there, and maybe your, your sort of military background, your military journey, and kind of that seems to obviously come into play at starting the company HVGC and then obviously the nonprofit and helping veterans get through life sort of post-service, let's say. So just talk about your quick journey and then we'll, we'll dive into to all the goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great to be here and thanks for having me. And yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting how it all started. Uh, I grew up in an area outside of Philadelphia called Doylestown in Pennsylvania and played for a really successful high school football team. And we usually were nationally ranked and we're uh, my junior year, we we're playing in the Eastern state final uh, before the state final and the opposing coach was a former coach at the Naval Academy. So I had a good game. And the next thing I start getting letters from the Naval Academy and my dad was pretty excited and I, I just had no desire to join the military whatsoever. So you know, I get a call from Naval Academy, like, have you gotten a letter or an endorsement letter from a senator or a congressperson? And I'm like, no, like, no. <laughs> I'm just like not even thinking about it. And that was kind of that. So I went to the University of Massachusetts and was playing football. And then when I woke up one September morning, I turned on the TV and I saw mm. one of the towers was smoking. And my initial thought was, I didn't think 1993 was that bad. Like, I just thought of that, the 93 bombing. Right. And then I get a phone call from my buddy who was at University of Michigan. He's a little bit like, kind of like, hey, what is going on? I can't get a hold of anyone. You know, I have to like age myself here where I remind people back then in 2001, you yeah. know, cell phones were kind of new and we were pretty much yeah. stuck to landlines. And 
I'm like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I, you know, I think everyone's going to be fine. And the next, you know, you saw the second plane hit the tower. And that's when you knew like, okay, like, you know, we essentially at that point, we all lost our innocence. So it kind of went through that day. Uh, some classes were canceled. Some were kind of optional. No one really knew what was happening. Then I went down to the football complex and jumped up on the table to get taped up. And my trainer's like, I don't think we tape up today. Mm. So I went out, we had this like cubby locker. So I'm sitting there. We had three big screen TVs in the locker room and probably mm. a dozen guys on our team from New York City area. And they're a mess. And our mm -hmm. coach came in and just said, why don't we go out and do a quick whiz practice where you just put a helmet on and get a fit. And I think he was more doing it like with good intentions to maybe take our minds off. Of your, yeah, sure. And really what happened was like one captain stood up and just said, I don't think we should practice today. He's like, not a problem. Why don't you guys just go home, call your loved ones, probably not playing this week and mm -hmm. all that stuff. So went back, lived with four other football players in our apartment and, you know, watching news like everyone else was. And I went into the bathroom and as corny as it may sound, I just looked at myself and said, you know, time for me to go earn my citizenship mm. and that's when I decided I was gonna get into the military so finished out the season and then informed my coaches what I was going to do and transferred to Villanova and went from like a 230 pound fullback to 185 pound midshipman and wow uh, yeah did two years at the um at Villanova and then was commissioned into the Marine Corps and that's when I started my military journey your your journey is is, is quite impressive and, and again you don't have to to speak on all of it but maybe take us through sort of you know what it was like to, to sort of be a Marine and, and, and kind of that's sort of where you found your co-founders am I correct yeah yeah no it was a it was a great experience. I mean, I was just very humbled uh, to be able to serve at the capacity I could. I mean, it's always kind of awkward at times when people thank me for my service. I think I should mm -hmm. be thanking them for allowing me to go serve. And when I left Villanova, uh, the way the Marine Corps goes as a lieutenant, you go down back to Quantico, Virginia, and you go through a course called the, the basic course. And it doesn't matter if you're a pilot or a lawyer or you know, whatever you're going to be in the military, you're all going to learn to be a, a provisional rifle platoon commander. And from there, you that's about six month course, then you get your military occupation specialty or MOS. Mm -hmm. And I went for infantry. So I, I got infantry, went through infantry officer course, then checked into my first unit, uh, 2nd Battalion, 8th Marines in uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And I think after about six or seven months after I checked in, we deployed to Fallujah, Iraq. And did that deployment came back and they, you know, they, they said, okay, you did a pretty nice job. Why don't we kind of speed things up and have you try out for Marine recon? So went, took the Marine recon in docked past that. And six months later, went right back to Iraq. And then from there, when I returned, we just started the Marine special operations command now known as Marine Raiders. So they're like, why don't you go take selection? And went through selection, made it, and did deployments in uh, Northwest Africa, uh, also in Southeast Asia, and in uh, Afghanistan, primarily in the Helmand province. And that's where, you know, I, I met uh, Andy and Matt, who are other co-founders of the uh, organization. They were both Marine Raiders with me as well. And so, uh, obviously, you, did you all get out at the same time or, or did, did some kind of, was it staged to where yeah, you Yeah, we out? kind of stagged. Like I think uh, I, I got out at the end of 2013. I think Andy was like a 2014, 15 timeframe and Matt, I believe was like a 2017 or 18 timeframe. Um, and really kind of what, what really started things for me was, I mean, I'm a hundred percent disabled and I started to see what was going on with our veterans and not many nonprofits were helping to support our military personnel transition to their veteran life. Um, there's more mm -hmm. that have come on board since then, which is great, but I wanted to kind of make something there to kind of help them out. So I uh, developed Battle Brothers Foundation and put a three-tier approach on a personal, medical, and economic. And personal, it's more like a big brother, big sister. If you're transitioning out, you can talk to a Battle Brother and they just kind of 
to be that ear for you because transitioning is a lot more difficult than uh, military members uh, think it is. On the medical side, we're able to help out VA disability claims. So if the vets weren't getting the uh, VA rating they thought they deserved, we could go and take it over and resubmit and see if we could kind of enhance their score so they could receive all the benefits that they deserve. If we have veterans suffering with opiate or alcohol or post-traumatic stress and all that, we have the ability to get them to the treatment centers. But then the last part was the economic phase where it's really job placement. Mm -hmm. uh, letting that veteran have that sense of purpose like they did while they served in the military with the hopes of avoiding a mistake they can't come back from. And it was probably, you know, back in like 2016, uh, 2017, where, you know, we just had a really rough deployment in 2012. And a lot of us are just trying to find answers at the bottom of the bottle. Mm -hmm. And Andy just looked great one week. And I was like, hey, you know, what, what do you got going on? And he's like, well, you know, I gave up a fifth of Jack for a joint. And you're kind of like, wow, that's pretty incredible. And he's like, I'm like, well, what, like, what's going on? He goes, well, you know, it's like, I'm not like drinking and driving. I'm not blacking out at night. When I wake up in the morning, I feel refreshed and I'm actually getting into cultivation and it's helped me transition from a warrior to a gardener. And hmm. just thought that was like really impactful. So then had the opportunity to go meet some members of Congress and basically just ask them, what do we have to do to get medical cannabis into the VA system? And they're like, you need yeah. that, you need American doctors. And really wanted to go down that path just because there's a lot of great veteran advocacy groups out there, but it just kind of kept going to the point where, you know, we need to prove the science behind it. And even the members of Congress are like, you know, I'll probably stand behind a closed door and say, yeah, it works, but I'm not going to walk out in public and say of it. Of course, yeah. So, you know, and as it's like, all right, well, that's when we incorporate into Battle Brothers doing medical cannabis research. Mm. And we were able to partner up with a great firm called Niamedic Healthcare and Research Services out of Israel. And then during that, we were able to bring on actually University of California at Irvine uh, to be our American face and to be our principal investigators, which was a huge win for us. Uh, but then we started kind of looking at like what the cost of this was going to be because we were going to self-fund yeah. it. And we we're like, man, yeah. this is really, really costly. And it, the idea came from a Paul Newman salad dressing bottle where it's just like 100% of profits <laughs> go to charity. <laughs> So we're like, well, you know, maybe that can work and talk to the lawyers and CPA. And they're like, that, that's totally legitimate. Profits are profits. Like you can do what you want oh, with it. Yep. And so that's what we started doing with our, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just self-fund it. And then we got very lucky at one point. I mean, now we're talking about at the 2019 timeframe, uh, really bouncing around, trying to raise money, try, like winning. I mean, there's whole many things I passed over that were just like a blur, like winning right. cannabis licenses, like many of them. Hmm not being able to fund them, you know, power issues, all this stuff that you could think of and just, you know, kind of just getting grinded. And we had a really great investor kind of come on board and he's self-made millionaire, uh, was an army ranger, uh, just a great guy and was already in the kind of the cannabis world. And next thing you know, I mean, he's a stage four cancer survivor. Mm. And, you know, we had a verbal agreement. He had to go on a vacation for a little bit, came back, had to go get his physical. We didn't hear from him for a little while. And then he called us up and basically told us he had to go into a semi-retirement mode because he didn't have cancer again. But basically, I guess his blood or whatever was kind of reading mm. in the direction that things could get bad here. And the doctors kind of gave him, this is what you need to kind of look at. And, you know, he's not the type of guy who would just throw money at us and hope we do well. He, he's a guy who needs to get involved. So we were really just sitting there like, oh, man, like we thought mm. we had it. We were ready to go. And now here we are back at, at square one. And a great company uh, called uh, Platinum Products that ran by a father-son duo, George and Cody Stadler, they have a brand called React where they will donate 
portions of their profits to, um, it could be suicide awareness, uh, breast cancer, homelessness, feeding the uh, hungry, like a lot of great things. And then they also uh, want to do veteran support. And they were having a hard time finding organizations that would actually take money from them to do those cannabis. So right. they got in touch with me and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely take it. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could use it. So uh, went down for a meeting and we, uh, you know, we pitched the idea of Hellman Valley Growers Company, you know, basically what we're going to do and how this is going to be a for-profit brand, but a with a purpose behind it uh, to help fund our veteran medical cannabis and research. So, yeah. So the idea is have a, a front-facing sort of consumer brand yeah. and then profits, then proceeds go to then the, the nonprofit part of things to sort of fund, you know, the research and then the economic impact and the medical impact for, for sort of veterans trying to, whether it's suicide prevention or, or really sort of the opioid epidemic hitting veterans, finding an alternative care. Yeah. Yeah. way to deal with with sort of sort of things and, and medical cannabis seems to be what's out there that it that oh, yeah. seems to 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 be very effective yet very sort of hard to do at scale because it's like you said the senators will behind closed doors or will say okay but you know front facing it's, it's a bit difficult from a political lens so is that the pitch that you gave them was start the consumer brand and go toward it yeah with the, with the end state of you know we're like we're gonna get a thing called an institutional review board where that pretty much means you've been cleared to do human trials. Um, mm -hmm. You got to go from a big board and they, you know, it, it is a tough process and they really like the idea. And they're like, your end state is to basically develop a formulation that's going to help out, you know, to reduce symptoms of post-traumatic stress. But again, they're like, all right. And they kind of looked at each other, like, get on in here and we're going to help support you guys. And they're like, you know, basically what, what they, we ask of you is just make us whole. So whatever the cost of goods to get the thing on the shelf, we just ask you to pay that back. Uh, but all the profits you keep, we don't need it. And it was crazy. And so then basically we got in here, you know, we thought we were going to launch this thing within like two months and they kind of laughed at us like, yeah, good luck with that one. And two you know, years, huh? <laughs> yeah, the brand, like the brand development, everything probably took us about, uh, probably about five months or so to kind of get everything where we had to, where we're ready to get onto the shelf. And then February 2nd, 2020, we made our first sale right before wow. the global pandemic, mind you. And of uh, yeah, so we had to muscle through that, but with our first $50,000 worth of profit, we put that back towards our research and we were able to pay for a study design to be put together to go and present to the uh, institutional review board. And uh, we kind of just kept going from there and kept growing the brand and really on the institutional review board side, that probably took about another six to seven months of having that approved because we had to kind of retrain them. We didn't want to work with the NIDA program or at National Institute of Drug Abuse mm -hmm. out of the University of Mississippi. And we weren't going to take federal funding on and they were kind of asking us for our DEA license and all this other stuff. And we're like, no, we want to achieve a private IRB so we can control the whole thing. Yeah. And Basically, we had a really, like I said, great staff at Niamedic where our head guys, a gentleman named Dr. Victor Novak, who was at one point in his life in charge of Harvard's Clinical Research Institute, you know, study with Meshulam, all that stuff. And he's done a ton of FDA trials. And he basically got it to the point where they could get it approved. And in February of uh, this year, we got it approved. So basically a year after we got our first sale, we got the IRB. And right now- we're and just what, what does that allow? What does that essentially allow? Well, it means you you can do human trials using uh, medical cannabis. So if okay. you don't have an IRB, you, the medical world won't take you serious. Um, you really you couldn't publish in a in a medical journal or anything like that. Um, it just wouldn't have the whole peer reviewed and all that stuff. So really, what will happen is the Israelis are going to be running this thing with the American doctors right next to them, and Dr. Uh, Marcella Dominguez from UC Irvine, she's going to be the principal investigator, and she'll be the one kind of saying, "Yep, that is correct. That works. That mm -hmm. works. That mm -hmm. works." 
And there's our American face for the doctor, uh, for the uh, uh, legislators. And, you know, right now we're looking at this. The first one will be about 60 veterans. From that study, we'll have enough information to make a recommended treatment protocol and develop a formulation. We'll do a more um, little grand scale kind of uh, uh, one with about 300 veterans, two to 300 veterans here in California. And once we kind of dial in that formulation and protocol, we're going to move into uh, what probably would most likely be Michigan and do another retrospective study to just validate that we're getting the same results as we did in California. It's re the formulation is repeatable and accessible. And at that point, we're pretty much rounds complete. And we'll go back in front of Congress and raise our right hands and say, here's your data and here's your American doctors. And we need to proceed with FDA trials. And, and the end goal being that this is allowed to basically be incorporated in sort of the VA prescription protocol and the ability for veterans to go to VA and get prescribed medical cannabis. Like what, what would sort of be the end goal? What, yeah, the like, end the state is kind of like thing at the end of the day. Yeah, what yeah. we're facing on in terms of the veteran angle is we want this to be available in the VA pharmacy. So if you yeah. go in and you're like, hey, I post-traumatic stress and they're like, yep, you do. And you need to go get a gram of this and come see me yep. or whatever. But it's not like the legislators are just going to be like, only veterans can access this through the VA. What that will do is that will kick open the door to make medical cannabis federally legal in the United States and will help all patients. Right. And, you know, we'll see how things go with interstate commerce and things like that on the med medical side. But that's kind of the end state. And what's nice is it's just like we're not like a lone wolf out there doing this by ourselves. There yeah. are a lot of other organizations doing research on different aspects of what cannabis can do for a medicinal value. So I think once you kind of get hit by a perfect storm of you're going to have like, you know, a bunch of different studies coming in at different yeah. times. I mean, they just can't ignore the numbers. And pretty much everyone's bullish, but we know it works because the Israelis have already proven it works and they publish in PubMed and they're showing it. We just need to put the American face on it. Is the trial specifically geared toward some symptom, like whether it's, you know, sleep disorder or, you know, post-traumatic stress or suicide prevention? I, I guess, are there certain specific mm -hmm. issues that these specific trials that you alluded to earlier are trying to, to, to capture? Yeah. So this will be we're looking at the, the official titles to see if medical cannabis can reduce the symptoms of post-traumatic stress uh, disorder. Okay. And yeah, so we'll probably really put a premium on, you know, pain, anxiety, and sleep. Those are kind of the yeah. two or the three big things that people really struggle with when they have post-traumatic stress from whatever post-traumatic stress could be from. I mean, I'm very big to tell everyone, you know, post-traumatic stress is just not a military issue. It's a human condition. Yeah. And we all can get it for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I just think, you know, instead of having, Having something that we refer to as a VA cocktail, where we're taking uppers and downers and lefts and rights and other things right. to counter what we're taking, and you're yep. up to pills, you might be able to get it through uh, a tincture or a pill form of medical cannabis and mm -hmm. have the same effects with not putting any pharmaceutical kind of stuff like that inside of you. So it's pretty exciting. I mean, there's just so much untapped potential with cannabis. It's going to be a really exciting decade, I think, to kind of figure out all the benefits that this uh, plant can provide. Were you, what was your sort of background or, or sort of relationship? with cannabis for all this did, did you know did you come from a background understanding sort of what it can do was it after you served that you know andy kind of introduced you to sort of the positive side of it you know we we all know the the sort of negative side that is put in our brains at a very young age but you know over over the years now there's obviously there's so many positive angles towards it if used properly like yeah. what, what's sort of your relationship with and what was your what, what were you surprised with maybe 
when you got into this world? Yeah, I, you know, I never really consumed cannabis at all growing up. <clears throat> it just wasn't my thing. I mean, I was really yep. big in athletics, so I kind of just lived a clean yep. lifestyle. But I never really had an issue. I mean, from what I could see with people who would consume cannabis, uh, I mean, there wasn't anything crazy with them. It was kind of, you know, chill out, whatever, maybe laugh, have a good time. But it wasn't anything like we were like, oh, oh no, someone's smoking cannabis again. Like, watch out. You know, it's not like, yeah. you know, versus like drinking. That's maybe you got, you hear more of those stories. You know, it's just when you kind of go through everything that we've been through and, and the pain and all the suffering you're kind of dealing with. And you know, the VA is doing the best they can with what they have, but it's just not necessarily answering the bill for you. It was just kind of one of those things where, you know, I trust Andy. And when he said what it was doing for him, I'm like, well, let me go and try it myself. Mm -hmm. And it was the first night I got a full night of sleep and I don't know how long. And that's when I'm like, okay, there's something here. Yeah. And, you know, kept getting the same results. And, you know, I tell people it's funny. It's like, I never thought I'd hear my wife say to me, you know, can you go and smoke some cannabis when I'm not able to sleep at night and stuff? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. You know, for the love of the marriage, I'll go do this. But, you know, so it's just kind of, it's, it's comical like that. But um, I think a lot of fun on the journey too, where in 2016, when I started talking to, you know, higher ranking military officers about things I wanted to accomplish and whatnot. And, you know, you kind of got the stink eye in terms of like, yeah. oh, God, like, you know, cannabis, what, what are you doing? Well, now those same people are kind of turning around saying, you know, we're commending you for what you're doing. This is amazing work. And I mean, this is the veterans need this. And it's just kind of funny how all the like, hearts and minds have changed. But people are kind of keeping an open mind. And unfortunately, it was just through a perfect storm of events of seeing veterans dealing with an opioid and suicide epidemic, just really kind of turn people saying, we got to figure out a way to kind of help these people. Was I mean, is that, that would seem to be almost a much, I guess, easy is the bad word to use, but a, a much more less sort of, a less sort of like conversation when you have to like try to preach a certain thing, when you talk to these senators or legislators around like, look, our veterans are you know, not being taken care of properly, if they're, if they're still so, if the suicide rate is still going up, the medication is, is obviously not working, right? Yeah. Like opioids haven't done, you know, what perhaps they thought it would do or, or, or whatever it may be. And, and so to, I guess I'm trying to understand why it's so difficult when we have a system not, you know, working properly. Like, why is it so, why, why is it so difficult that essentially heroin can be approved? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, 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 but then medical, but then cannabis has to go through these like overwhelming hurdles. It, it just seemed, there seems to be a disconnect there. Well, that's when you kind of get into the politics side where you, you got to look back at, you know, when Richard Nixon, you know, basically mm -hmm. declared the war on drugs. And, you know, even if you go way back in history, as you know, like there was cannabis was used in, a lot of uh, med med uh, medicines back in the day. And then it kind of got <clears throat> the name marijuana. And we we're trying mm -hmm. to say the Mexicans coming up, we're losing our mind. And you got reefer madness and you got Nixon. And listen, I'm a very big proponent of term limits because you still have people in Congress and you have people in the executive branch, yeah. you know, like Mr. Biden, who 75. Yeah, was, yeah. They were not yeah. fans of cannabis. And, you know, like, for example, I say, you know, the current president of the United States wrote the crime bill, which was one of the mm -hmm. biggest swipes at this whole community. And I don't know why people aren't amazed that there's no like there's no progressive cannabis stuff going on right now. Right. It's like, you right. look at these people's backgrounds. So I think now they're starting to change their, their, their color a little bit on it just because they're seeing the overwhelming support. I mean, we've talked to, you know, like, I mean, there was one uh, gentleman in Arizona we're talking to and great guy, but you know, there's one study where it showed 86% of the Arizonans who were polled said they support the VA giving medical cannabis to veterans. And I'm like, you know, the way the political climate is today, you can't get 86% <laughs> oh of Americans yeah. to agree Monday falls on a Monday. So I'm like, that's pretty <laughs> overwhelming. And, 
So those are the things where, you know, you, you got people who just make a career of being in Congress mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. They are the ones kind of responsible for where we are right now. And it's kind of on us where I'm not going to sit around and wait for the government to fix this. This is why we were motivated to do it ourselves and go forward. And, you know, you got to look on the medical aspect too. It's like where doctors, they won't prescribe you a aspirin unless they know what's in it. And right. now you got it kind of like a triangle and at the top of it, it's a schedule one narcotics. So you can't do any research on. So it's like, it was just kind of a mad kind of circle that nothing, no progress would ever get done. Yeah. So kind of just instead of trying to go up that hill and walk up it and try to do it on the advocacy side and try to <clears throat> convince people, we're more or less just trying to walk around the hill and yeah. do it in a different way and just kind of prove it uh, through a, a way that we can actually control the study. I mean, even if you look at the NIDA program, I mean, I'm not sure that cannabis would pass third party testing here in California. It usually comes in moldy. Uh, it's not stored properly. It's low THC quality. I mean, the name is in the organization, National Institute of Drug Abuse. So it's not like they're extremely motivated to prove the benefits of it. They're more like going right. the, the abuse of it. So, yeah, you know, just kind of things like that. But again, I just think it's you've probably seen since 2016 such a shift on where people are with cannabis. I mean, one of the good things about the 2020 election was there were a lot of, there were about four or five states that saw, were yeah. cannabis. Right. And it wasn't a big deal. To, it wasn't like front page in the newspaper. It wasn't the A block in the news. It was mm -hmm. just like, well, these people are looking at cannabis too. Okay. Big deal. It, it was like, no one really cared, which is a good thing is that means it's getting normalized at that point. I want to talk a little bit about the the organizational side. And I know we touched on sort of the three pillars that you're focused on, uh, but can you just walk us through maybe what you've seen come out of that and maybe what are, are the programs showing or, or proving out on, on sort of the nonprofit side of things? Yeah. With Battle Bros has been really great in terms of, you know, helping out people with VA disability claims. Um, you know, I think one of our big wins was a Vietnam era veteran. He, uh, was in the Navy and he's what they call blue water Navy. So he was like in the big ships in the ocean mm -hmm. <clears throat> and he served in Vietnam. He was off the coast of Vietnam. They were not approved for uh, any agent orange illness until this year, actually. So he has Parkinson's, has had brain surgery, you know, yes. has had, you know, part of his back has been fused. I mean, he, he's in rough shape and it's, it's definitely from agent orange. Mm -hmm. So we went and took that on and we basically started looking at what the doctors were like, hey, 100 percent is 100%. And he had some post-traumatic stress issues. So we kind of went through that. And I think it was about four or five months of us working on it. And eventually he got approved for 100% disability. He woke up, there was a, a lump sum of money in his bank account and people came in and started refurbishing his house and got him the appropriate wheelchair and finally started taking care of this veteran the way they should have been for the past 30 years. Wow. And that was huge because he was just kind of like, you know, people actually care about me. He was kind of just feeling like, you know, I'm kind of, I, I served my country. Now I'm kind of on my own trying to figure this out. Right. And that was probably the best paycheck you could ever get. Just seeing that big of a win uh, for, for, for a great American hero. So those have been really good things. And, you know, we've helped out guys who've been in special operations who by far, I mean, Purple Heart recipients and guys were just at 80% and we're able to get them up to hundred percent. And what's huge with that is it, you know, not just good for the veteran, they're getting the care they deserve, but just the benefits it provides the family where, yeah. you know, the insurance aspect, uh, you know, if you live in certain states, you don't have to pay property taxes. Hmm. Your kids are probably going to get a full scholarship to school. I mean, it, it is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So just doing that. I mean, it's just like a, you can't even put a, a monetary value on how much right. money you save these people and how much you're going to kind of help their life out later down the line. So that's emotionally, that, emotionally, that helps too. Exactly. Know, just, yeah. 
just just knowing like you know people care i mean i can't imagine if you like especially the vietnam guys they came back from war and people spit on them and it's mm. like hey we got drafted what do you want us to do like run up to canada i mean it was kind of like one of those things so that's been great you know in terms of working with veterans who are suffering with certain ailments whether it be alcoholism or opiate or pts um that's been good i mean we've been able to help out some veterans you can't help them all unfortunately you know our director of treatment and recovery is just like listen, it, it's going to be tough at times because you're going to have everything going the right way. And then they're going to want to walk away and do something mm-hmm. different. And it's like, you know, the 12 steps are a real thing. And I think it's like the third or fourth step where it's like, you know, everything I did in my life has gotten me to this point, I need help. And mm-hmm. if they can't accept help, and then want mm-hmm. to do it on their own. Yeah, you're never gonna get them there. And so we've had some vets had to walk away. And I hope they're doing well. And we've had some vets who've made it through. And, and it's been great. And you know, job placement side has been awesome, you know, helping out vets on that side. And just we more or less do kind of like the guidance counselor question of, you know, you got a million dollars, what would you like to do with your <laughs> life? And I, I like this. And what's gonna really kind of start ramping things up is, you know, with our partners, like George and Cody, who I was talking about, we're looking to open up a, a cultivation site in this area called Lake Elsinore here. So it'll be about 5,000 square foot indoor grow. Nice. And then also a storefront. And from there, we're going to be able to kind of bring veterans into work with Andy, who's going to be director of cultivation. Amazing. And have veterans making medicine for veterans. And there's a lot to be said about the agrotherapy. So that that's going to be really exciting because it's kind of, it's fun because a lot of veterans I talk to, they want to get into cannabis because it's kind of something new and something austere and, you know, an austere environment type of deal where, it just seems really appealing and the medical benefits that they're seeing from it, they just all want to get behind it. So I just think it's going to be really tremendous when we get this whole thing kind of fully running. Um, I mean, yeah, to, to really build the entire time. ecosystem is, it's a beautiful thing, man. It, it's also a, a beautiful symphony of how capitalism and entrepreneurship can really, really work really well when Agreed. you look at it from all sides of it, where you have the front consumer brand, you have sort of that fun, sort of the nonprofit aspect that then in turn employs people, it potentially could employ people that you've lifted out of, you know, the darkest time of their life, right? So yeah. to speak. And to me, that's just the powerful cycle that, you know, as, as entrepreneurs, that if you can build that infrastructure, to me, that it's such a, it's such a great North Star for, for future people trying to build companies with whatever sector they are, yep. like looking at this ecosystem of how to build, you know, that circular way of, of impact is, is tremendous, man. So uh, I'm so glad y'all took that approach. And, you know, I think, you know, you get one win, you build on another and you get another win. And, and so sort of hopefully the ecosystem will all come together and that is possible. But yeah, I kind of wanted to chat about you guys' entrepreneurship journey, mm-hmm. because after you serve different paths, many can take, right? So yeah. I guess, what was that journey like and just diving into to becoming like a, like a business owner and all the, the, the crazy shit that entails, especially within yeah. this industry? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, they definitely don't give you like a playbook, right? So <laughs> I, uh, when I left I, I, the military, I worked for an ed tech firm, uh, really learned uh, like a good amount about business and sales. And it was a lot of fun. But, you know, I kind of I was there for about three years and I kind of hit my end point and I was mm-hmm. kind of not really being fulfilled. And then I started really seeing what was going on again with the veteran community. And that's when talking with Andy and trying cannabis and thinking about some ideas we could do and having those conversations with Congress. I walked downstairs and told my wife, you know, I think I can, we can help out some veterans here with medical cannabis. And she's like, yeah, let's go for it. So, you know, while she's pregnant with our first kid, you know, I, I thought it was going to be pretty 
you know, like everything I did, like we kind of achieved pretty quick. And that's where you're thinking like, oh, we'll get this thing up and running and we're going to do this. And with five years, bang, we're done. And, you know, <laughs> we, we killed it. And man, were we wrong? I mean, it was just like, you know, I, I tell everyone when you get into entrepreneurship, I mean, always keep your moral compass pointed true north because good things will happen to you and good people are going to find you. And there's a lot, you know, I tell people, it's like, we were like patrolling the sewers looking for gold and there's a lot of bullshit down there. I mean, there mm-hmm. were just people jumping on saying we can get this free, do that, kind of trying to ride on our coattails of like of our past and it was bad i mean I, i'll be honest mm-hmm. i got my teeth kicked in a couple times where it just was like oh man <clears throat> you know you just got to have that intestinal fortitude to keep driving um i, I mean i heard this probably i don't know whatever six months ago year ago everything blurs in but elon musk was on um that clubhouse app when it first came out and they're talking about entrepreneurships and they're like what word of advice would you give an entrepreneur? And he goes, or what words of encouragement would you give an entrepreneur? And he goes, if you need words of encouragement as an entrepreneur, you should not be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I mean, it's like really like you're, you're going to have to just get comfortable being uncomfortable, getting beaten down and punched and driving forward and just making things happen. And yeah, there's a lot of times, I mean, if you were laid out this playbook of how we got here to the point that we are now, I would have been like, no way. I mean, this literally was like, you know, we're on year five of this journey right now. We're just getting our research up and going. So I don't know if I could endure it because it was a lot of, I mean, I'm still doing like the 15 hour day thing. And Mm -hmm. uh, there were a lot of sleepless nights and everything like that. And, um, you know, things are going well right now. We've been embraced by the cannabis community and people believe that we're the real deal because we are, but it it was, it was a rough go. So, you know, when I just tell people, if you're going to get into this one, (laughs) be prepared to get your butt kicked a lot of times. And if that doesn't make you happy, then don't do it. You, You know, if you like nice food, don't do this. I mean, you know, I eat my ramen and peanut butter jelly. The family's fed. They're good. But, you know, I, I kind of do what I got to do. And you, like I said, just keep your moral compass pointing true north because there's going to be a lot of easy outs. But if you mm. hit that easy button, it's easier mm. to hit that thing more and more. And you're probably, especially in cannabis, you're probably going to go down a path that could have some problems that you don't want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So um, there's still a lot of bad actors out there trying to do some shady things. So you just got to be careful and you just got to protect yourself and make sure you have a lawyer and a CPA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, <it's> good. <laughs> they're, they're doing just fine. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. They, they are the necessaries for sure. Yes. Uh, where can where can people find the HVGC products? Is it just in California right now? Yeah, so obviously people, you know, in Cal- in America, I mean, what we grow in the state, that's a legal state, it can only stay in that state. So right now we're uh, in about, uh, I think in the high 80s now in stores in California. So we're, you know, start off down in San Diego and we're starting to make more of an impact now in Northern California and kind of everything in between. So you can go onto our website and check us out at www.hvgcompany.com. And you can try to check out where we are located all around the place. We also have a great apparel line, so that can go international. Yep. Um, again, you can go on that website and check it out. And if you just want to help out and make a donation to Bowder Brothers Foundation, go to, um, www.bowderbrothersfoundation.org. You know, I'm a big proponent now where I used to laugh when you hear commercials, like every dollar counts, trust me, every dollar counts. So, you know, anything that people can spare, we are greatly appreciative of that. Uh, I'll end on the last question. And and usually it's a little bit about the future and and maybe some of the goals that that you and the team have. Um, so I, I know it's a, Sometimes it can be a little tough to look out maybe three to five years, but you know, you got, when you guys are sitting back and, and kind of just chatting, what are some of the goals and successes you, you would like to see over sort of the next three to five years? Yeah. You know, I'm looking like right now we're, we're 
we're just about over a million dollar company. Uh, really the next kind of near fight is to get that on the business side up to like a $5 million company. So that's going to bring on more headcounts and a couple of different things and expansion, uh, expansion of SKUs. But I think on the private research side is, you know, we think within about three years, we're going to have pretty much everything kind of rounds complete at that point, ready to go. And once we kind of have that, I think it's at the point where, you know, you're going to have, I, I just really feel the way this will all kind of play out is pharmaceuticals are going to be comfortable mm-hmm. that they can start buying up companies that have mm-hmm. proven the medical benefits of cannabis and they can start making money off of it. That will make people in Congress comfortable because they give them money so that they can continue to campaign and keep their job. And I really do think you're going to see cannabis just being medical cannabis, at least being um, descheduled and yeah. I know it will be federally legal at that point. And I don't think adult use will be that far behind because again, you kind of make the argument with people, okay, if you go home and have two martinis, that's fine. But if you go home and smoke half a joint, you're, you're like, you have a problem. Like it just doesn't make sense. And I think with our generation growing up, it, it, we're just going to make it more normalized. So I think this thing will go for probably about another three to five years. And then I think uh, that'll kind of be the point where, you know, I think we've accomplished our mission and then, uh, you know, we'll go and look and see what else we can start doing to kind of just, you know, we're Marines. We just want to leave, leave the place better than we found it. So we'll find something <laughs> else to do as well. Amazing. Well, thanks so much, Brian. Tell, tell the entire team, thanks for, for their work and, and just their, their effort and grind because, you know, obviously there's a lot of people in our society sort of suffering from a lot of different effects, right? You know, our, our veterans are, are the ones that should be at the top of that stack you know, being taken care of. And, and when that's not happening, it's disappointing to, to me as an American citizen, right? And as, as just a human as well. So I think as, as long as we can keep moving down that path and getting them the care that they need, you know, the proper care and, and not having the care be more detrimental than to, to what brought them to care, right? So I think that is one of the most important things and a righteous journey, my man. So so best of luck over the next uh, over the next decade or so. All right, my man, I appreciate it. 